Amen. It's good to see you here today. Amen. Thank you very much. I appreciate everything that each of you have done over the last few years. I know we've had uh, gifts given, food given, cards sent, calls, a lot of love, and we love our church very much. And it's not the building or the grounds, it's you, the people. And God is good. I see my good friends back there as well. Good to see them today. And my brother drove in and his wife from Kansas City. And Phil, I don't know where he's at now. Bathroom, okay. (laughs) They probably didn't want that said. (laughs) But so many of you are here and I just really appreciate that. If you have your Bible, I ask you to turn to John chapter 15. I want to talk about joy today. And the question is... Do you have it? Do you have joy? And, you know, in the last couple of years with the COVID thing going around and so many people struggling and and so many people having lost loved ones, uh, it's been difficult for all of us. But God has given us something through this that we can be the church again. And we can have that joy that he wants us to have and rise back up and reach our community and our state and our world with the gospel. And it's our responsibility to do so. In 2020, I saw a documentary. It's called The Last Dance. And I don't know how many have seen The Last Dance, but uh, it's a documentary about Michael Jordan's 1998 season with the Chicago Bulls. And... They won their sixth championship. But I noticed something in that documentary. Michael Jordan was sitting in a seat with a big cigar and a glass of what I guess would be bourbon. And the thing that I did, I I just looked at his eyes. And he said he would give up everything that he had achieved to go back and play the game of basketball one more time. And that would be 10 scoring titles, six world championships, six-time MVP of the championship game, five-time MVP of the league, among other things. And the thing that I noticed most about him was there was no joy. There was no joy in his life. And... He said he would give up everything to go back and play one more time. So if someone that has a couple billion dollars and all of those accolades doesn't have joy, how is a common Joe like you and I to have joy? Because he has all the money, all the accolades, everything that most people want known worldwide, but he still doesn't have joy. So I want to share a passage of scripture with you today out of John's gospel because these last couple years, happiness has been pretty elusive for me. Joy, when I stayed close to the Lord, was present. 
But I'm not going to tell you that I didn't get depressed. You know, I'm not going to tell you that uh, everything was easy. Still not. But there is a difference between happiness and joy. And I want you to stand as we read John chapter 15, verses 9 through 13. Again, it's, this, is, this is on the heels of abiding in Christ, being the branch and the vine. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. That's the passage, the text that I really want to concentrate on today. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would just give us the understanding of what it means to be happy but even deeper, what it means to have joy. I thank you, Lord, for all the people that are here. And I just pray if there's anyone that doesn't know you and doesn't experience that joy, that, Lord, before they leave here today, they would experience the joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. You know, it's universal. Everyone wants joy. Everyone wants to be happy. And uh, I think about it, just like I said a moment ago, if, if Michael Jordan, with all he has, doesn't have joy, then how can a common person like us that we have to go to work, we have to pay our bills, <clears throat> we have to struggle from month to month, we have to struggle with medical issues and physical issues, how can we find that joy? Humanity, at its best, has this desire for joy in their life. Everyone desires to experience that joy that only comes from Christ and that desire for happiness. And, and we seek it and we look for it. And, and throughout history, people have desired it and tried different things to, to achieve that. Aristotle said the greatest good is joy and happiness. And he was using them interchangeably. The greatest goodness is joy and happiness. And uh, I think Aristotle was really on to something because you can look at poll after poll after poll and people say they want to be happy. They want to be joyful. And the follow-up question, though, to that I would ask is this. How do you receive it? If we all want it, then how do we get it? Because... It's one thing to want something. It's another thing to get something. You see, every one of us, we, we come at this question kind of empty-handed and, and, and questioning, well, what is that? How do I understand joy? And how do I have that joy that, that needs to be in my life? How do I get this? Well, Jesus told us how in verse 11. Let me read it one more time. These things, I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Now, where does that joy come from? It doesn't come from us. It doesn't come from what we do. It comes from Christ. It is infused in us. He gives us that incredible joy. Now, why did Jesus say in that passage, I have told you these things? 
Now, is, he, is he going back and saying all the things of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Uh, uh, that, is that what he's talking about? No. What he's talking about, I've told you these things, and those things are in chapter 15, remaining in the vine. Abiding as the vine needs to be uh, the, the, the source of nutrients for the what? The branches. That's what he's doing. He's saying, if you abide in me, remain in me, then I'm going to give you these things, that joy that we need. So he's tying this abiding and joy together. So without abiding, we can't experience that joy that he is talking about. Now, his teachings, we go over to the book of Galatians chapter 5. In Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, he tells us about the fruit of the Spirit. He said the fruit of the Spirit is what? It's love. And what comes after love? Joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against such there is no law. So if we're going to experience that joy and other fruits of the Spirit, then we need to remain abiding in Christ because that's where it comes from. And uh, the branch must remain in the vine. So Jesus was basically reiterating his teachings from verses 1 through 8. And don't be surprised when the world doesn't have joy because you can't have it apart from Christ. And some people think it's interchangeable, but happiness and joy are two different things. So is there a difference between happiness and joy? And the answer simply is yes. The word joy or the word rejoice comes from the original word kara, and it's used rejoice, it's used 156 times, and joy is used 198 times in Scripture. So if it's used that often, God is giving us the invitation to be joyful, to experience joy and to rejoice. But the distinction is joy is much deeper. It's not an emotional thing. It's a, a peace that only God gives. And that joy that we have comes from above. Now, <clears throat> when you think about this, I was reading... An article about Bob Dylan, and if you don't know who Bob Dylan is, you probably have had your head in the sand for a long time. He is an incredible poet, songwriter, uh, and he was doing an interview, and they asked, the interviewer asked Dylan, said, what does happiness mean to you? And Bob Dylan's response was this. He said, I don't even know how to define it. I don't, know, I don't even know how to define it. But the interviewer pressed him a little bit further and uh, asked this question. He said, have you ever touched happiness and held happiness? And Dylan thought about it for a moment. And he said, yes, but it's like trying to hold water in your hand. It just flows through. You can't contain it. It's momentarily, it's here, and then it is gone. And he went on to add this. He said, as long as there is suffering, you can only be so happy. And then he said, how can a person be happy if he has misfortune? And I think Dylan is right about that. That's because the difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is temporary. It comes and then it goes. It's like that water that Dylan said. It flows through your hand and you can't ever hang on to it. It comes and then it goes and there's nothing we can do. It's just momentary points of happiness. And then it's gone. Now, Colossians chapter 2 verse 8 says... <clears throat> 
Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. It's fleeting. And, and the joy that comes from Christ is enduring. It's lasting. It's eternal. And that's the joy that we need to seek, not just this momentary happiness that we desire. There's a distinction in the understanding of happiness. And happiness is temporary, and we cannot have it apart from Christ. Now, Scripture writer also tells us that it's not of the world. Joy is not of the world. It's nothing we can manufacture. But I, I, I want to make this statement so you don't get me wrong here, okay? And it's this. Happiness is a good thing. <laughs> happiness is a good thing. I'm not downplaying what happiness is. Happiness is a wonderful thing to experience, but it's based upon happenstance. It's based upon what's going on in your life. If things are good or if things are not good, then we, we lose that happiness. I mean, it's like this if you were to... Be one of those uh, that 2,700 employees that woke up to get an email that said you're no longer employed. That's going to cause a lot of misery in your life. And what we need to understand is I could walk over to that thermostat and I can regulate the environment of this building. But a thermometer just tells what the environment is. It tells the temperature. This regulates temperature. Happiness is the same way. Happiness is regulated by what's going on. But that permanent thing is like that thermostat that I can go and turn it up or turn it down depending on what I want. The great gift that God gives us is this. No matter what the circumstances look like and have joy. I tell my grandkids all the time when they're with us, now don't eat candy before the meal. Now, they say, but, but Grandpa, it's so good. Or Poppy is what they call me. Poppy, it's so good. And why am I telling them that? I'm telling them that so they don't spoil their meal. And the younger ones certainly don't understand that yet, but they will. Why is it so important that you don't destroy your dinner or spoil your dinner? Why is it important not to just eat candy? Well, treats are high in sugar content. And it gives you a momentary high, but also what it does, it lets you think you're getting nutrition when you're not getting anything nutritious. Basically, you can eat candy before your meal, and it tells your body you don't need any more nutrition. And that's kind of like happiness and joy. But we know that's not true. We need nutritious meals. And that fulfillment passes quickly. It's here and then it's gone. The truth is the same about our spiritual life. Sometimes we just want the candy, things that are high in sugar content, to give us this momentary high. But then it fades so quickly. And that's why emotionalism on its own is not enough. You need that inner peace that only God gives through His Son, Jesus Christ. So don't just fill up your life looking from one thing to another, one, one uh, high point to another high point, one vacation to another vacation, or whatever it may be that, that you're looking for, or buying something so you'll have that momentary high. It doesn't bring joy. It may bring momentary happiness, but it doesn't stay with you. It doesn't fill you up. There's a lot of believers that are struggling with things, and I don't even know what you're struggling with. Uh, but I know almost everyone here is struggling with something. Now, think about it. Job promotion, sugar high. But is it sustainable? No. 
No, it passes. A bump and pay. Oh, that's great. It passes. The next achievement. And it passes. Completing a degree. I've arrived. Then you realize the next day, I haven't arrived anywhere. <laughs> and sometimes we put so much sugar in our lives that we miss what real joy is by accepting happiness momentarily. Now, joy is permanent. Joy is permanent. Listen to this, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. Now, watch the difference in this. Whom, having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing. You rejoice, there's that word, kara, with joy, there's kara, inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Does that sound like spiritual candy to you? No, that's the meat. That's the, the good stuff. It's permanent. It's there. Now, why did Jesus basically tell us that we could rejoice even in our trials? Well, think about Jesus last night on the earth prior to him going to the cross. What did he do? He taught his disciples. He expressed to them about love. And he knew what was awaiting him, death. But still, he had joy. When Peter cut off Malchus' ear, what did he do? He said, now, fellas, you all just need to go. Then he put, can you imagine just putting the guy's ear back on? It's amazing. But Jesus had that joy that each of us need, but sometimes we don't get it. And I love what <clears throat> Leonard Ravenhill said. He said, this joy that Jesus offers at, is at the graveside, and it's just as powerful as it is at the fireside. So regardless of the circumstances, that joy is there. And that joy is found in Christ. And our joy is given by complete surrender to Christ. It isn't a feeling. We could wrap happiness up as a feeling, but that's not joy. Joy comes from the extent of the deepness of our relationship with Christ. Look at verse 11 again in the New Living Translation. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. That's a promise. You see, that's a statement. Your joy will overflow. It's not going to vanish. It's not going to be here and then gone. It's enriched by the depth of our relationship with Christ. C.S. Lewis said these words, Seek the Lord of joy, don't seek joy. And that's rich. That's rich. Andy Stanley, in his book I read years ago, and I thought about it when I was preparing the sermon, in his book Visioneering, it's probably about 15 years old, he shared the story in that book that captured my, my attention. This man, this believer, shared Christ with this non-believer for nine years. And every time his message was the same. And Andy said, well, why did you keep going back to this believer who would share the same story with you every single time for nine years? He said, because, and I quote what this man said. He said these words, of all the Christians I've ever been around, this guy has something I really want. 
This guy has joy. So you see, we influence others by the depth of our joy or by the lack of our joy. We influence people negatively. Do they look at us and say, I want what that guy has. I want what she has. Or do they look at us and say, that's one reason I don't want to be a Christian. I mean, look at them. They're miserable. We need to have that same joy. You see, when you have true joy, you can't contain it. It's not something that you can just wrap up. It, it, it bubbles out. I mean, think about it. You, you should be telling others about the goodness of God and how important salvation is in our life. And I know people say, well, you know, two things I don't talk about is politics and religion. Well, two of the most important things to talk about are politics and religion. Not fight about. But listen to this verse in Acts 20, 35. <clears throat> And I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Isn't that a beautiful passage? Mm. In Luke 15, 10. In the same way there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. You know, when you have joy, you get to participate on earth with what's going on in heaven. That joy. When we express our joy in sharing Christ with others, we're participating in the greatest joy that heaven and earth will ever know. And our joy is expanded, listen, through trials. I'm about done. Through trials. There's a monetary, monetary prison in Rome, where the Christians were taken prior to going uh, to the Colosseum to die by wild animals or be killed by other gladiators. And on the wall of that Colosseum, one of these Christians wrote this. It's a bad world, an incredibly bad world. But I've learned a great secret. I've overcome the world through Jesus Christ. Going to his death. He wrote that. So if you're going through adversity and trials and difficulties, maintain your joy. Keep that connection with Christ. Don't sell out too soon. The world sees how we as believers respond to suffering and trials. <clears throat> In James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested... Your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. From when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. So trials and adversity and difficulty and struggles make us stronger. So stay at the altar. Hang on to the horns. Experience the joy that only God gives. How could Paul and Silas rejoice in a prison when they knew very soon... They would lose their lives. Paul, beheaded. How could they sing in Acts 16 when they're going through that? I mean, singing praise. and Now, their prison, it, it's not three hots and a cot. Their prison was a dungeon with shackles and rats and all of the excrement from other humans. So... I don't have any idea what you're dealing with. 
But I do know this. Whatever you're walking through, whatever you're going through, whatever difficulty or adversity that you're experiencing, I know the man who can get you through it. And his name is Jesus. You can experience joy in the midst of your darkest days. There's a common experience that all of us need, and that's joy. You see, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. I could also add this, today is the day of joy. And I would ask you to seek it. Romans chapter 5 verse 8, God has demonstrated his love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Every one of us. Would you bow please? Heavenly Father, I pray today for anyone here that needs to make a commitment or rededication, need to give their life to you. Father, may they need to join this local assembly, whatever it be. Father, I pray that you would just draw them today. And I thank you, Lord, for the gift of joy. May we have it. Thank you for happiness. But Lord, thank you most for joy. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.